Find your Bibles or your phones or something to write with, um, and then we're going uh, to jump in. All right, so what are the inherent, if there's any inherent issues, if you've talked to people uh, for the first time, like a new believer or someone that's seeking, or just you yourself, what are some, what are some things that are um, difficult about coming to the Bible and for that time to be well spent? So I want, again, this is like, we're, we're all friends here, so let's talk frankly about like our issues with like, yeah, using our Bible, reading it, studying it. Rob? Okay. Okay. So, so that would be best case scenario, right? That we are, uh, that we, we know that there's truth in there. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to get convicted if I open that thing up. So that, that would be, that would actually be a good problem, <laughs> right? To get in there. Uh, what's some other problems? Why else, why else might, why, why might not we open it? Yeah. Where do we start? Like what in the heck? Anybody open the Bible and you're like, well, I opened it and I read it and that didn't make any sense. (laughs) So um, is the Bible really as accessible as we tell people it is? So that's not that doesn't mean we shouldn't read it. That just means like I've got to take a little bit different care, right, about how I approach it and what that looks like. Man, you guys are really good at this. All right. A couple more. Why else is the the Bible difficult to uh, get into and spend time with? It is so big, particularly if you have a big one, right? Like, look at, anybody have a bigger Bible than Lindell? So Lindell believes that the bigger the Bible, the bigger the faith. So he wins. <laughs> yeah, Matthew. Yeah, right? So some of it is just getting to it, right? There are lots of other things that I could be doing. So um, all excellent. All right, so why do we want to spend time in Scripture? Because, again, there's the difficulty of it, but we're all insinuating like that we want to go, right? Like, I, I, I really honestly think most Christians, it's not that, that they don't want to. If they're sin in our lives, I think what Rob said, like, yeah, I don't want to go tell Grandma about what I just did because she's going to give me the business about it, right? And so that's what we're, we've got some guilt feelings there. But a lot of times, let's say if that's not the case, I want to read the Bible, like I want to pray, but, but I don't do it as often as I should. But why do we want to go? Because there is a want to. Why do we want to uh, spend time in Scripture? Just popcorn around. Rob? The joy we feel after we read it. Okay. All right. Joy we feel after we read it. Peace? We get to know the heart of our Father. We get to know the heart of our Father. Excellent. What else? Okay, yeah. Are there alleviation of it? Like maybe I'll feel less guilty. Ariel? We have questions, yeah. Noah? I feel like maybe I could read the Yeah, yeah. Like an actual paper, right, book? Good. Well, here is um, three things that I want to remind us, and then we're going to get into like some real practical concerns. Three things to remind us of like why we should read the Bible regardless of how we come to it. Um, and so those are uh, to know God intimately, right? So often we, 
uh, Bible reading is um, like a checklist, you know, like we read it with an eye up. Am I getting credit for this? You know? <laughs> not really, right? But it's not, but when we don't, uh, let's say we miss a day or we missed a month or we've missed the last six years, right? We're like, does he care that I'm not in his word? Uh, he does. And so, um, we have kind of mixed emotions about, but the only reason, right, we want to come to God's word is we want to know him intimately, right? That is the, the Bible reading, uh, uh, Bible intake is not an end in of itself, okay? We also want to be changed by him, that there's something that happens when we're in a relationship with him, right? If you spend a lot of time with Andy, like he's going to change you. There's nothing, you know, Ashton has been finding this out, right? And, and she'll continue to find that out, um, so that is how God made us. As we are in a relationship with one another, we are changed by that. So as we know God intimately, right, we will be changed by him. And what is that change? Is to do what he did. That is his goal. That is our goal, right, is to know him, be changed by him, and then to do what he did. So, um, so a quick reminder of some scriptures. Let's just write these down. So John 17, 3. So he reminds us, right, that relationship is life. So that's why we come to the Bible. Relationship is life. And this is eternal life that they may know you. That's it. It's not, eternal life is not salvation. Eternal life is not uh, a certificate. Eternal life is not peace or forgiveness. Eternal life is knowing God. That's what he equates it to. Okay? That's really nice. It's like, awesome. All right, the secondly, you'd be changed by him. There's a couple of verses I want you to note here. So his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. This is the very first psalm. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water. So if we come to delight in God's law, we will be like a tree. So what does that insinuate now if we don't delight in God's law? What does that insinuate? We're not like a tree planted by streams of water. So this highlights this idea that we, to, to know him, Right is our ultimate goal, but then as we know him, we need to be changed by him. Okay, we need to be changed into something that's not a tree by planted by streams of water into one that does. And as we do that, our leaves will never wither, not in season or for all time. Right, God is a river that we don't have to move away from, it doesn't dry up, it is eternal living water, and we will prosper in what we do from now into eternity. Matthew 4.19, a New Testament verse, and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The point of following him is to be changed. It's not because he told me so, right? He didn't just say, follow me. Right, he was up front about it. Follow me and you will be changed. And then lastly, to do what he did. Ephesians 2.10, these are all really good review verses for us, but it tells us these things, right? For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So he said, here's the good things. I'm going to create them. As I redeem them, then they are mine, and I'm going to tinker with them until they can do the things that I can do, to be able to do what he did. That God's plan, he thinks enough of you that you can do exactly the ministry that Jesus did. So that should give us hope when we come to the Scriptures because we want to be all those things. When we're in a relationship with him, we want to be changed by him, we want to do what he did. All right. So anybody ever seen this verse? You've read Romans, but have you ever seen this verse? As you read it, isn't this interesting? It tells us again what the point of interacting with His Word is. 
For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. You didn't purpose of purpose of like writing down all the stuff that happened so that so that this generation and the generations to come and all the generations that came before, right, are that we would know. And then it says through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So here's where I want to take us that as we spend time in the word, we have to persevere in spending that time to get out what we need to get out. All right. So, does that make sense? All right. All right. Quick, uh, quick discussion around your tables. Is the Bible accessible? And so here's the definition of that. Is it easily approached, entered into, or obtained? What's in there? So I want to hear your opinion. All right. What you got? All right, back table. What was the consensus? Is the Bible accessible? Yes, it is accessible. I think we, one thing we knocked around a little bit was like, okay, what's our heart posture when we go to Scripture? Okay. All right, consensus back here. Okay. All right, how about up here? What do y'all think? We said no. Um, All right. We kind of approach it from the perspective of somebody that's like maybe hasn't grown up in church. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Anybody ever read like Malachi? Yeah. <laughs> Nahum? That's not a book. You're just kidding. <laughs> All right. Ashton, what y'all? What was y'all's consensus? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so the answer, everybody's right. It's yes and no. So it is accessible in that there are parts of it that we can enter into with no prior knowledge, but most of it, um, it's not a regular book. I mean, this is a compilation of 66 books written over 1,600 years, 40 authors, three languages, three continents. And we're like, hey, man, you just read your Bible. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that is the worst advice I have ever been given. Just read your Bible, man. Like, what's the problem? I just said it's written over 1,600 years at 66 books. Like, like uh, I, need, I need some help. And, and to, to Ashton's point, right, that is one of the most truthful things that we can kind of set a different expectation. So much of my, my, my grief and my, uh, where my time was okay and where I was just kind of 
didn't know what to do, uh, really wrestled, uh, really came down to wrestling with like, I thought that the Bible was way more accessible than it actually is. That doesn't mean that we don't go there. That just means that like, okay, so I've got to, I've got to work. I'm going to have to work for this much more than I think I uh, should have to. And so that's kind of part of what I want to talk to us about is how do we do that better? But part of it is just being truthful about the difficulty. All right. Everybody feel comfortable with that, that we were like, yes and no. Okay. All right. So this is not a condescending in any way. But um, there is uh, somebody, but I, I don't know how to take this, but I can't remember how old I was, but this guy walked up to me and he handed me a book and uh, it's called How to Read a Book. <laughs> Has anybody ever heard of Mortimer Adler's How to Read a Book? Was it because I told you about it, Drew? Oh, awesome. McKenna, you've heard about it? I think I read for like a college Okay. So if you have ever um, been exposed to like a classical education, um, basically they do that by you just read the great books of Western civilization and sometimes of like all civilization. He came up with that. That was his idea. So that's just who that dude is. Anyway, in it, he has a couple of helpful things to say that I think will be helpful for us because we have things that we need to read. And he makes, this, he makes this distinction between reading for information and reading for understanding. And you're like, why are you talking to me about reading? This will be very helpful for you. It was very helpful for me. All right, what is reading for information? What, might, what type of things might we go to to just get like more information? I don't, need, I don't need any introduction to it. I'm just reading it and I'm just taking in more. What, what type of things do we come to that would be of that type? I'll get you started. Newspapers. So like so-and-so got shot here, there, this person did it. You know, that's just information. I don't have to, I don't need to know anything prior. What else? What other type of things do you come to like that in your reading? Yep. Google. Yep. Journal articles. Yep. Right. So text messages, um, social media information, Basketball articles. I, I like this. <laughs> so it's adding to what we know in the amount. That's it, right? There's no, like, I can, it's as accessible as if I can read the words. But then there's reading for understanding. And this is different. So this is anything uh, that one does not readily understand during first exposure. All right, is... How much of like if 100% of the 66 books, right, is one of those two things, what would your guess be of how much of the Bible is informational and how much of it needs to be understood? All right, now don't, don't hurt your mind too much. How much, of the, how, much of the, how much of the reading that you do is informational versus having to work for it? So, here's, here's, so here was epiphany for me. I was, I will actually take me out of the equation, but for most of us, we're just out of practice the type of reading that it takes to access what the Lord wants us to access. Is that fair? So... Um, because we need to move from this idea of 
being informed, knowing what the author says, to knowing what the, to being what Adler calls enlightened. And it says, it's, I know what it says, but I also know what it means, and I know why they say it. Now, how does that kind of set us up in a different trajectory that when I go to God's word, right, I'm not looking to be informed, I'm looking to understand. Do I go probably to the Bible when I have five minutes? Maybe to be reminded of something that I already understand, right? That's fine. But if I'm going trying to get, trying to understand something in five minutes, is that going to actually happen? No. So how is that helpful for us in setting a clear expectation, both of the time that it might take if I actually am going to be successful? And kind of how I view my time in the Word. So talk about that around your table real quick. Yeah, the difference between, so how does that knowledge help me? Okay. All right. So, um, so how, how might that be helpful to us, just kind of with knowing that information? What did you talk about? Alec. Uh, I think it's just like encouraging for myself to like give myself grace. Yep. Like it takes time. Yes. Yep. We can pump the brakes. I don't have to feel bad <laughs> that, I, that the time I've been spending is not adequate. Like that's like, oh gosh, thank you. Because I feel like I'm... We don't want to feel like idiots, like I've spent time and it's not having the results that I think it results. So when somebody tells me, oh, well, you, sh you know, that's why, like, oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I needed that. Rob. Are you serious? Yeah. Dang it. I was going to go to the gym one time next week. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Anybody else to add? Kylie, what you think? So that's a, that's a great, so if, if we are to know the kind of the concept that God's character is never changing, then as I just read something informationally and it seems to be different from what this thing says over here, then that's a, no, that's a, a red light stop. Figure it out. Let's, let's seek understanding here because that's not what it's saying, right? So excellent, excellent um, example. So, um, so here's the one obligatory quote from how to read a book. Um, your success in reading is determined by the extent to which you receive everything the writer intended to communicate. Your success in, and we'll, we'll insert uh, the Bible here, because that's what we're talking about, is determined by the extent to which you receive everything the writer intended to communicate. 
and really changing our expectation. If that's my expectation, then like when I go to it, I'm probably going to get that out of it, right? I mean, there's, there, it's not um, because I have a different mindset that I want to understand. It's not just kind of what's, what's the bare minimum that I could get out of this. All right. So, um, so here's two concepts that were revolutionary for me. I've talked about a couple of these things um, uh, for, uh, to some other people, but I want to make sure that everyone has heard these before. So here's the two concepts. One is this concept of authorial intent. All right? It's fun to say. Everyone say it with me. Authorial intent. Right? So you want to say Arthur like the, but that's authorial all right, so what is, somebody tell me real quick, what is authorial intent? Exactly what it sounds like. The intent of the author. Okay, so when, when uh, Lindell, if, if Lindell were to write me a nice letter about my outfit today, okay, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I use that, I use that, um, that phrase uh, in, intentionally comically, um, the, in, does and he whatever he's going to say about me does he have one meaning that he wants me to get out of the note or or multiple meanings like Lindell Lindell writes me a note and I read it does he have does he have one intention of what that is to communicate or multiple intentions one right from the author's point of view I'm writing this down for like one purpose yes okay so, so we, right, as um, any book we read, but particularly the Bible, we want to we get to what is the author's intention of telling me what he's telling me, okay? You are a complex creature deciding particular things to tell me and to reveal to me just in conversation. When I sit down to write something down to someone, like that is, that's like on steroids, Right? because I'm being thoughtful, I can erase things, I can choose what to put in and put out versus when I'm just kinda, I'm, I'm at the mercy of my eloquence. <laughs> but when I'm writing, even, even my daughters who can't spell most of the words, right, they are intending to like communicate a particular thing and they intend one thing. And yet this is not how we view the authors of our Bible. We go in there and we're like, well, what does it mean to you, right? Well, it doesn't, what, we're taught, we really mean how am I trying to apply it Right, that's what we mean, but we say, well, here's what it means to me. It's like there's not multiple meanings. There's one meaning, okay? And so when we know there's one meaning, I want to find out and not be wrong. Does that make sense? And so that, this is very, very helpful concept, authorial intent. Second thing is writing is, to con is for the purpose of conveying and communicating ideas, okay? Do you guys get caught up on word choice? When somebody communicates to you, particularly if they use the wrong word, <laughs> some guys know you, uh-huh, yep. Never, always, don't use those words. So, but why this is important for us is we need to not get bogged down so much in the words. It's going to sound really weird. What I need to know, though, is like if I'm reading something from Paul, it's like I see what he like what the words are putting together, but what is he trying to communicate to me? That is a big deal, okay? So here, I want you to practice super fast. All right, I want you to turn and look on with somebody, John 17, 3. All right, it's Jesus' words here. There's kind of a little pop quiz about how authorial intent and that um, writing 
and speaking is to communicate ideas. So we're just going to look at John 17, 3. I'll go back to it. All right, and I want you, I want you just to practice and put that in your own words. What is the idea that, is, that Jesus is trying to express here? He uses these words to try to express it, but the idea is, like, what's he trying to communicate? And it, and it matters what the authorial intent is. Who's speaking, but also who's writing this? And it's okay if it's not quite right. Again, like it takes time, okay? So like some of you are like, that's it. And others would be like, you're close. So I just wanted to kind of encourage you that it's not like I failed if I didn't, if I spent 45 seconds and wasn't quite there. <laughs> all right. So I didn't give you much time at all. You're welcome. All right, who's the brave soul? Somebody that has not shared yet or uh, talked yet. So what do you think he is trying to communicate? Is there one idea here? Or is there a couple ideas that he's trying to communicate? One or a couple? What you got? We got shy all of a sudden. All right, Porter, Dylan, what you got? You're being, you're being like not itted. I'd say if you look at it, you can kind of maybe proceed like a couple ideas. The main point is to define eternal life as something you can only have through Jesus Christ. Yep. And, you know, just the, he kind of also reaffirms that Jesus Christ is the way Great job, Porter. So how is that? So if he takes that time to like, I, I read that, but what if I stop and I'm like, okay, well, what's he talking about? And he like writes that down. Does Porter own that idea now? In a way that he didn't before, did he? Oh, he's trying to, like there's, there's, a, that, there's a lot of power in that, right? In the fact that like, that God wants to get it off the page and into my heart. That I don't define eternal life like, you know, into a lazy boy. But he wants me to understand like eternal life is knowing me. And so if, if you know me, you're going to be with me wherever that may be. Right? Dylan, do you have anything to add? Awesome. <laughs> Anybody else have, have an idea that they wanted to share that they thought he was trying to communicate? Is that helpful? Does that make sense? Like why we want to like stop and just, I mean, again, those are just two concepts of many that, that are, are helpful to us. Okay. So to that end, as we're finishing up here, um, so authorial intent that we want to know it. Oh, back to, uh, and then that, that the words that are put together are to communicate ideas. And we want to know, well, what is that idea and do I understand it? Right? I've got to work for it. 
So maybe we've talked about like the idea of freedom. So if like the Bible is saying, well, this, you know, it's saying like, well, then you'll be free. Okay, well, here's how I think of freedom. And he's saying, oh, that's how, so then you'll be free. Man, I got to like spend some time with that because that's not what, what I'm used to. So for us, it's going to be really, um, we need to increase our intake of Scripture. Um, if our main mode is reading and our skill level is not where it needs to be to kind of engage the Bible um, and we don't have, or nor do we have the time, then I'm going to need to be creative but also understand that there are other, there are other ways that I am intaking the Bible and that those are working Right, and I need to use those in concert with other things. Okay, so here are all the ways that Donald Whitney says in his book, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. I think it's a good list. Um, these are all the things that he says in, uh, would be called intaking scripture. So, hearing it, okay, hearing scripture is the main mode that we intake it, and that has been since the creation of the world. Okay, um. Only since the 1600s when printing, right, became like more ubiquitous, that means like you, it was more accessible to us, um, have people been, re like at that point, people started being learning to read and then there was Bibles. Before that, the only way they got the Bible, unless somebody like showed them a, a real expensive scroll, was hearing the Word of God. Don't let that not be a way that you're being exposed to Scripture more. Um, through different periods of my life, I've had the discipline of like when I'm riding in the car and I can do lots of things, including listen to podcasts and music and just silence, is I have been uh, gotten uh, serious about just listening to the Bible um, every day. It's, it's actually easier to understand even than reading it when I'm hearing it spoken to me consistently. And I'm hearing some, oh, I want to go back and read that further. But it just washes over me. Again, I've spent tons and tons of years and years with the Bible, and so a lot of it's a reminder. Oh, I forgot about that. That's so cool. Or how about this? But for us, to be exposed to God's Word, we need to hear it, and that's the easiest way. When you, when you, are, when you can be here with the body to be taught, uh, to be in worship, uh, if you are listening to preaching, that is hearing the Word. Like, do that. Don't stop doing that. That counts, okay? But it's not sufficient. Does that make sense? Like, that's not my only, if that's my only intake, it's insufficient. But if it's part of my intake, then, like, feel good about it. Like, I need that. Right? Reading it, studying it is different than reading it. Right? Reading it is informational. Okay? I can read stuff that I already understand. I can't, but I'm not getting anything else if I don't. And then the last two besides reading is memorizing it and meditating on it. All right. So we got just a couple more minutes. So everybody feel comfortable about, you know, what I'm talking about here as far as kind of taking a step back, changing our expectations, giving us a couple concepts. Okay. So back to what Ashton says as we close is that uh, we need help and we need to accept that help. Okay. So um, I've shared this with you. My best time of like time spent in the Bible is what I would call feasting. All right where it's not five minutes at a time, it's not 10 minutes at a time. I might listen to the Bible for 30 minutes. But when I'm feasting, when I've got a, a little bit of time and I can focus, like I'm getting in there and I'm reading something and then I'm chewing on it and then I'm cross-referencing and then I'm muting resources and 
I mean, I might like, I've spent months and months on like concepts, like just to work them out and to understand them. And then like I spent a bunch of time in the Bible and then I read books on it and then I heard podcasts, you know, I'm like, I'm like trying to own this idea. These are big ideas. Like think about, these aren't, they're, they're not like these little grapes. They're like diamonds that we have to mine for. Right, that, doesn't that make sense that our God is like great and awesome and like his ideas are like great and awesome and so wouldn't it follow that like we've got to work for these ideas? Like to own them, right? Like they're there, they're available, but how do I own them? So we need guides. So what, what might be some ways that we could, that people could help us Books could help us, resources could help us, guide us to, uh, to truth. What do you think? Or what questions do you have about that? About guides. We need guides. The Gospels, they're written so anyone can read them. Okay? That's maybe Psalms, you can like understand most of what's going on, but... Basically, the, you got the Gospels. That's, that's what you got. <laughs> Those are really the only accessible like, things without a guide. Here's John. Read that. Like You can get the gist. It was written so that he may know that Jesus is the Christ. But everything else is not accessible in the way that we think it is. All right, so questions that you have about, like, so what guides do I need to go to to like, help me jump in? You've had them. If you've grown up in church, you've had some guides that have like showed you some paths and led you up them. But you, there's a lot farther way to go. I still need more guides. Man, she's like a plant. Man, what like what a great question. So we need guides. So we're going to talk about this idea of discernment. Okay, a lot of people say a lot of things. Right? You're all thinking it. If you were to come in my office and look at all my, you know, I've got like books everywhere. I've got books on my uh, computer. I've got books on my phone. I've got a lot of books. So like, did somebody just like throw those books at you? Or did you like choose those books? Or like, why do you, why are those books versus other books? So here's where you start. We need to find people that, that meet four criteria, Okay. This is, I want you to write this down. We need to find people that meet these four criteria. So it starts with people in your life. But it can be um, like people that you don't know that meet these four criteria. They love God and they love his word. There's a lot of academic people that have written volumes on Ephesians. They don't love God and they don't love his word. You understand that? Don't go to just some random commentary. Why would, we not, why would we want to learn from somebody? I love God. I, I want to love His Word. So why am I listening first to somebody that doesn't and claims not to? Does that make sense? Oh. So, so those are the first criteria. Loves God, loves His Word. Third criteria, they're a practicing and committed Christian and they're invested in a local church. So not only do we want them to love God and love uh, love his word, but we want them to be doers of his word. And the last thing is that they want them to be involved in what God said is the hope of the world. 
right? The, there's the, is the disciple of the world the church? So that's a real easy lens to put over something. It'll eliminate a lot of stuff, okay? That doesn't mean that people that don't fit all those criteria can't be helpful in some ways, but that is not for beginners, right? You do not, those do not need to be your primary sources, okay? So like if there's some, it's like, oh, this guy sounds good to me, like you just, some guy, person randomly says, hey, this, this pastor is awesome. They might be, but like investigate <laughs> before you like are in, all the way in. Like the nice thing for better or for worse about if you're listening to me is like you can tell does Rob actually love God because you see me, right? Like you can see if what I, like if I practice what I preach, right? For better or for worse, like that's supposed to be like that. But if we're just listening to some dude or some, somebody's book, like how we don't know where that, what that dude does, do that. All right, the second thing is we need to get recommend. So those people, so those are good resources. So then once we find those people, then we ask them for recommendations because they've had guides in their life. They didn't wake up being like some awesome person that loved God, right, and loved his word. Like somebody showed them, I promise you, somebody showed them how to do what they're doing, okay? So every single book I have has been recommended to me. That might stagger the mind, but that is absolutely true. I've either gotten it from a book that somebody recommended to me, and I looked in like a bibliography of the books that they read, and a great place to look. Hey, this is a trusted resource. What is the trusted resource? What did they read? And over and over and over again, I would see the same books. Right? These are the good books. These are the books that you read. Does that make sense? It's weird. If you ask like a ton of the um, pastors here just randomly about something, more often than not, they're going to tell you about the exact same books. <clears throat> don't read random books. You can skim them. You can like check them out, but like don't kind of let them all the way in. Like research. I do not buy any book or start reading any book that I don't know who the author is, what their background is, who they associate with, any of that. I don't have I don't have I don't have enough time to read, be reading some nonsense. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Okay. Um, is that helpful? So that's where we start, right? Is we need recommendations from other people. So discernment is really really important. Um, all right. So here is where I would start. So back to actually your question. Uh, such a good question. So where do I start? I'd never made this list before. So here's, here's my list. Here's where you start in the Bible. All right? So where I think you should start is I think you should start in the first five books of the Old Testament. <clears throat> if, I had to, if I had to redo, like, um, if... If I was going to start afresh and I had my own mind to, to go back and what I found most helpful is, is to learn the, uh, the, everything that was going on in the theology of the first five books of the Bible. If you can get that, everything else makes total sense. Everything. That's at the beginning for a reason. <laughs> it was written as one thing. And it was written first. That was what was written first. And it's not very accessible. 
So then what I would do, knowing that, so I need to, I need to figure out the story of God and people in Israel. Like, why did he do that? If I understand that, I will understand the, the rest of the Bible will be as easy as you've ever read something. And we are New Testament Christians that are really ignorant of the Old Testament. Right. That would be where I would start. And there are two things that I would really encourage you. Number one is, and this is real easy, um, is you need what's called an introduction. Now, if you have a study Bible, like a sweet, sweet one like Lindell has, it's got a baby introduction. It's got like two pages of introduction. There's a resource called an introduction that's got like 30 pages. And basically it's like, but let's say uh, if I was going to go hang out with Alec and I was kind of nervous about it, wouldn't it be so nice if somebody would sit me down, like let's say Jalen, and say, here's everything you need to know about Alec to like get out of him what you would need to. Wouldn't that be so helpful for friendship? <laughs> I'm going to have a pre-appointment before I start making him my friend. Right, so it's the same concept. So before I sit down in Genesis, I need a trusted resource that's going to tell me, hey, um, hey, Rob, here's, here's all the like, preliminary information that you need about what Genesis is, about what it purports to be, about how to read it, and about what you're going to find there. Does that make sense? But then I need you to read it and study it. Wouldn't that be helpful? Yeah. So, um, so uh, the Bible Project, and when it has its like, read through the Bible, that's what, like if it's the Genesis video, like that's what it is. It is a... It is a illustration of a really, really short introduction. That's exactly what it is. That's why that's so helpful. Oh, before I start reading. All right. So that's what I would, that's where I would start. So here's the rest of it. So that, once you like get that, then I would go to the Sermon on the Mount and I would study the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. It's pretty accessible, but as, I, as he goes the Beatitudes, like, what is that? You know, as he talks about, um, as he talks about that the uh, righteousness will have to change, what is that? Like, so this is a retelling, a recapitulation of basically a distillation of the law into the New Testament. This is what it all means. And then from there, I would go to the Gospels and learn about Jesus, his person, work, and teachings. Then to Acts, the story of the first disciples whom he taught, who taught others. Then Romans, then Revelation, but just chapters 2 and 3. Don't read the rest of it. Just 2 and 3. What's in 2 and 3 for you Bible scholars? The letters to the churches. Basically, it's the only thing that like, makes sense. <laughs> but, but what it says is, here's what's important to churches. And it's real easy and it's real straightforward. But I need to know that. And then, just read whatever the heck else you want after that. And then it'll be so much, so much, uh, you'll get so much more out of everything else. All right? So that's as much as I can give in 45 minutes. Was that too much? I was trying to give like just enough. All right, so Pentateuch, first five books. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, um, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then Sermon on the Mount, then the Gospels then Acts, then Romans, then Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and then go on from there. All right? So if you've got an individual question, we'll kind of, uh, I'll kind of close, um, ask the Lord to uh, bless um, 
the giving of that information in our conversation. Um, but if you have uh, other questions, uh, just um, you know, you know where to find me. Um, Father, your word is, uh, you took great pains to write it down. Um, this was a slow, this was a slow burn. You started it, and then you took 1,600 years to put your pen down. Father, it is the history of the people that you have created, that you have loved, and that you've made for yourself. It is a story, is there stories, Father, where you are sad? Father, is there a story where you are triumphant over and over again? Is a story of people that have disappointed you? Father, is a story of your faithfulness despite that disappointment? It is a book filled with your character and your mercy, of your power and your grace, of your miracles, of your truth, and of your son. And it is a story of your church that you've been building it for others. For them to come in and to heal and be learned and to go back out and be doctors to this dying and broken world. Father, and it ends with the close of, of us being with you forever. It's a good book. Lord, would we care enough to spend more time mining the truth of fighting for your character? of being unconfused about what you want for us, Father, it's all in there. So Lord, I pray that we would be a community uh, that are people of your book. That from this room, um, that we could start being uh, people who want to know you intimately. Who want to be changed by you and want to do what you did. And it all starts, or it all contains of understanding your truth. And so, Lord, I want to be encouraged. Father, I love your word. And I have spent well, well over 10,000 hours mining its truths. Lord, may I spend 10,000 more so that I can know you more intimately. Father, we thank you so much how much you love us, that you've given us one another and so many more. Lord, um, encourage us today to be with you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.